This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange traded funds with Global X ETFs. Exchange traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. Global X specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. In America today, women earn the majority of college degrees and make up about half of the total workforce. But just a tiny portion of them go on to become CEOs. Fewer than 6%, which is, needless to say, kind of staggering. 6%. Only 6% of CEOs are women. And for a long time, there's been a stock explanation for why. The conventional wisdom about one of the biggest reasons not more women are in CEO roles is that as they get older, as they become mothers... They're spinning so many plates, their ambition starts to take a backseat to everything else going on in their life. But now, a Wall Street Journal analysis shows that conventional wisdom is wrong. That there are other, more structural reasons why women aren't getting to the CEO spot. So it really has a lot to do with both what's happening at work, not just what's happening at home for a lot of people. Today on the show a new explanation for why there aren't more women CEOs. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Friday, March 6th. I believe, and based on the data and based on all of the reporting I've done, we've seen a first phase of companies trying to become more diverse in their management ranks. Vanessa Furmans covers management. Companies aren't doing this because of altruism or because it looks good or it's the right thing to do. They are doing it because there's this growing body of research that if you have more people like this in senior positions of power, companies tend to perform better financially. There's a link. As companies have realized that diversity is also good business, the number of women near the top has gone up. Today, about 20% of senior executives are women. But the number of women making that final leap to become CEO has stayed stubbornly low. To understand why, Vanessa looked at what's going on in the levels below the CEO, at women like Patty Watson. Hello, Patty. Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am having a great day. Thank you. By almost every measure, Patty's career has been hugely successful. She started out in the military and became an Air Force commander. From there, she moved into the corporate world where she rose through the ranks and eventually became the chief information officer at a publicly traded company. In that role, Patty had a lot of responsibility. She was managing thousands of people and reported directly to the CEO. But at the same time, Chief information officer isn't usually a stepping stone to the top job. So Patty was surprised when the CEO approached her with a big opportunity. He came to me and he said something like, Patty, I can't believe I'm having this conversation with my CIO, but I really think you're someone that could run this company and I'd like to include you in our succession program. 
And I just looked at him like he had lost his mind because that was something that had never, ever entered, you know, my mind. So I I said, well, what if I don't want to? Uh, And he (laughs) said, well, just think about it. You know, I think any chance you have to to develop is an opportunity that you shouldn't turn down. And, And he was right. Patty said yes. And as part of the succession program, she went through an evaluation to figure out what she needed to do to take the next step. Everyone felt like I had all the right skills. I didn't see that in myself, but it took that whole process for me to really understand the leadership skills that had gotten me to that point were also the leadership skills that could take me to lead a whole company. How did that make you feel? It was pretty amazing. Really amazing, actually. The experience got Patty thinking she could actually be a CEO. It also gave her some concrete advice about what was missing from her resume, things she would need to get if she really wanted to become a CEO. There were really two things that came out of it. One of them was I needed to have board experience. That part was easy. Patty went out and got appointed to a board right away. But the other thing she needed, which she was told was essential to being eligible for a CEO job, would be a lot harder. And the second one was I needed to lead a P&L. P&L. It stands for profit and loss. Here's Vanessa's explanation. Yeah, it's a bit of corporate jargon, um, but what it basically comes down to, being responsible for a bottom line, you are in charge of an actual business within the company or a division or a brand, and you are responsible for making a certain margin or avoiding a loss or growing profits. Running a business unit is one way to gain experience that's directly relevant to the work of a CEO. But leading a P&L unit is not a job that many women have. Female executives, like Patty Watson, tend to be in jobs that don't have P&L responsibility. Instead, they're in roles that support the business. An example would be, say, the human resources director or the chief of marketing or the general counsel, even the CFO. These are all roles that are really important roles, obviously, but they are not roles that are directly responsible for the bottom line. And the bottom line is what gets people on the CEO track. Whereas men are building broader experience across the board, and men are tending to build their careers in the guts of the business, so to speak, jobs that have directly to do with producing what the company makes. And Vanessa says this phenomenon of senior women being siloed into the support roles of a business is key to understanding why more women aren't CEOs. Over the past few months, Vanessa has been looking at data on the gender of executives at 3,000 companies, and specifically what jobs the women are doing. And what she's found is it's not as simple as women being stopped from taking the very last step to the top. I think it has a lot to do with how we think of the glass ceiling. When we hear that term, a lot of us assume that men and women, they're kind of marching along in their careers, getting a promotion here and there. And then at some point, the men keep going and the women stop. And what is really happening is that very early on in men and women's careers, men and women are building their careers differently. Vanessa says it might be more accurate to think of women being stuck behind a glass wall. Research shows that women tend to build deep expertise in one area and not move across different parts of the business. Men, on the other hand, tend to build broad experience. 
Maybe because they get advice to do so early on in their careers, which is what a study from the Working Mothers Research Institute showed. What they saw was that men were three times as likely to have been encouraged to think about P&L roles already in the early stages of their careers, and they were twice as likely to get selected for leadership training. And when I talked to the researchers who led this study, what they said was that they felt that it was almost a question of just simply giving people information, which seemed really hard for me to believe. But somewhere along the way, and quite early on, men are picking up how to build a career differently than women are. Other surveys show that women of color were even less likely to get career advice or chances to show their leadership. Patty's own career demonstrates how women can be held back by that lack of guidance. She got all the way to a top executive job before she understood the importance of P&L experience. And because she was so senior, once she started looking for P&L experience, she couldn't move to that different type of job. Even after she left the company and started a new job, she had trouble breaking into a P&L role. I had it said to me several times, well, you're so valuable in this role. Why would you want to go do that? Because it's less responsibility. You know, you're responsible for the transformation of this whole company, not just one business segment. And honestly, you know, one of the questions I got was, why would you even want that role? You have such a big responsibility now. Why would you even want that opportunity? And why do you think people told you those things? Well, I think some people, you know, may not understand the importance of that. I want people to understand just how important that one little piece is to having an opportunity to become a CEO. And ultimately, until women understand that, until they start getting put into business roles, there won't be more women CEOs. There were some reasons why Patty's bosses didn't want her to change jobs. She was managing about a third of the entire company's workforce, and she was in the middle of overseeing a major project. The company's priorities at that moment weren't aligned with Patty's personal career goals. And Vanessa says it's for exactly these kinds of reasons that it can be so hard for women to vault over the glass wall. I think that speaks to a point that we were talking about earlier, why women perhaps get siloed in certain careers, because in, in, in her case, she was in such an important role and she was doing such a great job at it. From the company's point of view, you can see why they wanted, want her to stay in that job. What I think often happens at companies in situations like that is that companies are thinking about there and now, the present, what are their needs at the present, and perhaps at the expense of the long term, and how are we going to keep this talent here and grow it? Patty did ultimately get a PL role, but she had to change companies to do it. Today, Patty is running a business unit at a tech company called Intrado, and she believes she's going to keep climbing. I truly do love what I have been able to do over the last, you know, 20-something years. It just wasn't all I wanted to do. So you're running a business now, but you're not yet CEO. Not yet. Do you still think it's possible to meet that goal? I do. I do. While Patty worked her way over that glass wall, other obstacles women face can be out of their control. That's after the break. 
This episode is brought to you by Indeed. Hiring with Indeed, your search is over. With over 350 million global monthly visitors and candidate matching technology, Indeed helps you find quality candidates fast. As a listener of this show, Indeed is giving you a £100 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash thejournalpod. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Charles Schwab. Decisions made in Washington can affect your portfolio every day. But what policy changes should investors be watching? Washington Wise is an original podcast for investors from Charles Schwab that unpacks the stories making news in Washington and how they may affect your finances and portfolio. Listen at schwab.com slash Washington Wise. Welcome back. Sometimes women can't get ahead because of the glass wall. But other times, even when there are opportunities for women, entrenched attitudes can get in the way. Ones that Caroline Feeney has dealt with. I'm Caroline Feeney. And I work with Prudential as the CEO of Individual Solutions. Caroline has spent more than two decades working for Prudential, the insurance company. When she started out, she was working in sales with a lot of men. Kate, I I had a a role, I remember at one point in time, where there were about 1,200 sales managers nationwide, and there were only two women, and I was one of them. So it was really very clear to me very early on that I was not one of the guys. Caroline persevered, and eventually her boss offered her a big promotion in a P&L role. He wanted her to oversee sales for North America. And I remember he said, I have an opportunity for you. And actually, I originally, I don't want to say right out declined it, but I, I very much hesitated. And I said, I don't think I can do the job. At the time, I had a one-year-old and a three-year-old at home. I had never seen a woman do the role um, as a role model. I'd only see men in that role, and I didn't see myself doing it the way I had always seen them do it. The feeling that Caroline had speaks to the stereotypes of why women don't move up in their careers, that they want to take smaller jobs and prioritize family. And it's true. In Caroline's situation, this was her concern. But what happened in Caroline's career shows that the stereotype can be reframed. She wanted to make room for her family and her job. And for that to happen, it wasn't Caroline who changed. It was her company, and specifically her boss. And to his credit, the leader at the time who asked me to consider this opportunity said, I'm asking you because I don't want you to do it the way it's always been done. I want you to do it, Caroline, the way you think it should be done. Caroline took the job, which put her in charge of a smaller P&L unit. And from there, she has taken on more responsibility in new roles where she is the model for other women. Vanessa points to a large study by Boston Consulting Group, which shows that seeing other women in senior roles can be really important. At those companies where there weren't that many women in the senior ranks, the ambition of women at those companies as measured by whether they were seeking a promotion or not, was significantly less than it was for men at the company, for their male peers. But at companies where you did have a good number of women who were in senior ranks and at the very top, women, even in the mid-stages of their career, showed the same amount of ambition as men did. Because of the lack of female role models, Caroline's ambition had to be nurtured by a man, 
telling her she could do it. Sometimes it takes either a major sponsor or an advocate or another senior leader to say, you can do this. I've had that. You know, I definitely have had major sponsors and advocates who said, who have believed in me. And I wouldn't have been in that leadership opportunity had it not been for a senior male leader within the company who actually brought me through that that opportunity. Men typically will raise their hands first and say, I can see myself as a CEO. The research shows that women don't do that. Today, Caroline is in charge of a big business unit at Prudential. And at 50, she's well-positioned to run an entire company. She says it's taken a lot for her to get there. And it'll take a lot for other women who want to do the same. I think there's a lot of unconscious bias in the workplace. And I think it just comes from the fact that that person mirrors more of what their experience was. And so if if somebody's in a role and they're successful in the role, probably the first thing they'll do is naturally go towards somebody that had virtually the same experience as they did. And this is where I say just try to have a different lens and try to look deeper and broader because just because somebody did not have the exact same experiences through life and the exact same career experiences, it doesn't mean they wouldn't be just as good, if not better, in that next role. The question is whether they can get to that next role. Because even if women find their way over the glass walls, when it comes to getting appointed as CEO, they face one final barrier, getting hired. Corporate boards are the ones who approve new CEOs. And Vanessa says research from the consulting firm Corn Ferry shows that the people on those boards aren't letting women in. What Corn Ferry concluded from that was that corporate boards are just still that much more reluctant to appoint a woman. Period. Period. When I had my conversations with the folks at Corn Ferry, yes, they talked about that reticence, just thinking even more closely about whether the female candidate was the right move. It's interesting that some of this research shows that there are things companies can do to be more strategic, give women more advice, and do more to elevate their talent. But in the end, a lot of it comes down to the existing leadership, mostly male, changing their perceptions of female leadership. Let's face it. Most CEOs are men. It really does take a man to open that door. If you want to have more women CEOs, it can't be just, let's get some women on the executive team. It's got to be about developing your female talent as much as you are developing your male talent much further down the organization so you have that pool of people to choose from. That's all for today, Friday, March 6th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Your hosts are me, Ryan Knudsen. And me, Kate Leinbaugh. We're produced by Annie Minoff, Ricky Nevetsky, Sarah Platt, Willa Rubin, and Rob Zipko. Our senior producer is Pia Godkari. Andy Rose Strasser is our supervising producer. Griffin Tanner is our engineer. Our executive producer is Gerard Cole. Our theme music is by So Wiley. Additional music from Bobby Lord, Peter Leonard, So Wiley, and Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to Nicole Pasulka and Emma Munger. 
Thanks for listening. See you on Monday.